0: Hello and good morning and thank you for inviting me into your home virtually and I invite you into my home as we look into God's Word this morning. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I'm Gary, I'm a Baptist minister and I'm a chaplain in the British Army and been here for about four years now and it's been a privilege to share God's Word occasionally with the church and in the church that we've been a part of. In a couple of months we hopefully move to Cyprus for our next posting, um, so we'll have to sort of say a virtual goodbye uh, in a few weeks' time probably, but it's a privilege to be able to share with you and to be able to speak in uh, on a subject, on a great subject, on Pentecost Sunday and talking about the Holy Spirit. I was reading a story about a young American lad who was about to graduate and in America graduation is is a huge thing for them Um, and he was a son of a a fairly wealthy uh, father who he was hoping would give him a fantastic present for his graduation, hoping for a sports car. His father called him into his office one day as they neared graduation, said I've got a gift for you and handed him a box which was nice and neatly wrapped But it wasn't quite sports car shaped and the son kind of opened it and as he opened the box, he looked inside and it was a Bible and it had his name inscripted on it. And He looked at it and he's like, with all the money that you've got, you buy me this, threw it at his father and ran out of the room. And sadly, they never spoke again. And one day his son, this son, got a phone call saying your dad has sadly died and... It's time to come and clear his belongings from his house, which are now all yours. So the son did that and in clearing through all the things, came across this box again, came across the Bible. He opened the Bible and and it opened up to a page where there was a bookmark in it. And he noticed uh, a passage had been underlined, Matthew 7, verse 11. And then if you, being evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your father give what is good to those who ask him? And as he read it, something else fell out onto the floor. A key with a tag from a dealer on it, the car dealer's name, for that sports car that he'd wanted years earlier. And on the tag, beside his graduation name and date, were the words, paid in full, love, Dad. You know, Pentecost is the season when we remember God's gift to us all. Following the death of Jesus in our place on the cross, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And yet so many Christians reject the Holy Spirit for fear of perhaps something they don't understand or perhaps being uh, becoming too happy-clappy, too crazy, and fear of crowds thinking they're drunk and crazy, as in our passage. Uh, And so we miss out on the wonderful gift that the Holy Spirit is, that God gives to invigorate our lives and our ministry. And so as we look at our passage, a brief update on what's been going on. We've had Easter, and then just a few days ago, we will have thought about ascension day and Jesus ascending back to heaven um, 40 days after Easter Sunday. I like to call that reverse Christmas day. Christmas day when Jesus came to earth, reverse Christmas day when he went back to heaven and don't forget what goes up must come down so he's coming back again. Now (laughs) after that Matthias has been chosen to replace Judas um, and we're not going to talk about the fact that the disciples prayed and then cast lots and gambled over who it was going to be. We won't go there right now but that's what's happened and now we're at Pentecost and all together in Jerusalem at Pentecost thousands and millions of people will have come. The Greek meaning 50th is where we get the word Pentecost. Pente means 50 Uh, and it's 50 days after the Passover. And we remember it often calling it Whit Sunday or White Sunday, um, because traditionally the white garments that people used to wear when they were baptised on this special day. Pentecost was a harvest festival, and thankful worshippers would come and offer their grain to God, the first fruits or their crops. It coincided with the giving of the law, it became associated with the covenant between God and his people, uh, the nation that was first constituted at Sinai, gathering together in Jerusalem, renewing their relationship with God. And so it brought many, many people to Jerusalem, hence all the different languages. So we look at our passage, and I don't know about you, when I read Jesus's words, again in Acts 1 verse 4, which um, are basically echoed from Luke's Gospel and Dr Luke who wrote Acts, wrote Luke's Gospel, chapter 24 verse 49 where Jesus tells his disciples to remain in the city until they're clothed with power from on high. It reminded me of something that we maps heard maybe quite recently and maybe if I uh, just change my location and here we are in 10 Downing Street and uh, if I just move out of the way Uh, I'll move over here. You can see the podium. I don't know. I'm still here. You see the podium with uh, with the message that was on there. that we just know inside out because we were being fed it constantly, constantly, stay home, protect the NHS, save lives. And what was Jesus' message to his disciples? Stay home, stay in Jerusalem, receive the Holy Spirit and save lives. And so it kind of sort of struck a chord with me. Let's get back to normality and we're back in the room everybody (laughs) okay so the disciples were told to stay in Jerusalem because God's promised Holy Spirit would come and clothe them with power and it would help them fulfill the great commission that God had given them that Jesus had given them to go into all nations share the life-saving gospel around the world And Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is a key verse for the church of Christ to remember. Whatever denomination, whatever flavour you are, whatever theology you align to, it's clear that it is in the power of the Holy Spirit that the church is to fulfil the commission. Commentator Warren Wearsby, writing on this passage, points back to the Old Testament and to Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 6, when God spoke through Zechariah to Zerubbabel by saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how things get done. And so there they were, the disciples. They'd been told to stay together. And so they stayed there in Jerusalem in a room somewhere, maybe the upper room, maybe the place where they'd had Passover meal, we don't know. And all heaven broke loose. Yes, it was heaven broke loose. The house shook, wind blew, tongues of fire rested on their heads, and Acts 2, chapter 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and then began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Figuratively baptised in the Holy Spirit, as Jesus had told them, would happen. Just note for a moment there, they were speaking other languages, human languages, which is different from the gift of tongues, which is a spiritual language. And some churches today suggest that if you don't speak in tongues and you don't have that spiritual language, then you don't know the Holy Spirit. And I have to say, I'm sorry, I don't agree with that. I do believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and well today and every believer in Christ should know the Holy Spirit in their life, working in and through them. And that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still for us today. I don't see scripture telling us that they've ended. Jesus hasn't returned yet. The end times are still in place. The last days are still going on. And so Jesus is still pouring out his spirit on his people. Also, we read in Acts chapter 3 and on other Peter's speeches, verse 38, 39, he says, Receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit for you and your children for generations. I don't believe he's stopped giving the Holy Spirit and his gifts to his church yet. Neither do I believe that the experience of the Holy Spirit is going to be the same for everybody. Double blessing, single blessing, extra outpouring, baptism in the Holy Spirit, falling on the floor, speaking in tongues, whatever it might be. We've been created differently and we interact with God differently. And so it's going to be different for all of us. But what's important is that you know Jesus and you know his spirit in you. What I do see from this passage and throughout scripture is how the Holy Spirit sometimes does and can work in and through people, but not how he always works in and through people. Much of what we see the Holy Spirit doing through God's people is descriptive, not prescriptive. It's describing what happened, not prescribing that it always happens this way. So it's going to be different for all of us. So why did the Holy Spirit give the disciples suddenly the ability to speak in other languages and tongues? Well, I believe it's because that's what was needed at that moment. All those people coming in from so many different nations, speaking different languages, needed to hear from God. Even if they could speak Hebrew or Aramaic, and Peter gave his testimony afterwards in his own language, even if they could speak that, hearing the message of their own native tongue of God's message to them, would have just been mind-blowing and made such an impact. And so it was a gift of the Holy Spirit in the power of the Holy Spirit that was needed at that time. And that's what he gave them. So the disciples had stayed home, they'd received the Holy Spirit, and now they were on the job of saving lives, or at least pointing to the one who does the saving. Peter then steps up and explains what's going on. He explains that, no, they're not drunk. Verse 13, that was the accusation that they were drunk. He says, no, Jews don't drink before nine o'clock on a Sabbath or a holy day and probably only drink wine during meals anyway. Peter talks about how this was the evidence of God's spirit dwelling in them. They're not drunk. This is God's spirit in their people. He points back to Joel chapter 2 and the prophecies of the end times in connection with the day of the Lord. And while he's not saying it's happened because a lot of the prophecies hadn't happened yet, he's saying, look, this is the same spirit at work in his people. And we're now approaching those times. The last days from when Jesus ascended to heaven to when he comes back, we're living in them right now. And he says he wants to pour out his spirit from that passage in Joel. Not a trickle, pour out his spirit. We also see that in Isaiah 44:32 32 and Titus 3. And this is going to bring about dreams and prophecies and visions and the gifts of the spirit working in us. Wonders in heaven and signs on earth below. And not just natural things, but supernatural, anti-natural things. God is at work. The last days are underway. This is God's people being filled with his spirit at work. Jesus had completed the work of redemption and nothing more had to be accomplished other than sharing the good news about it, beginning with Israel and moving further out. And the invitation was that those who called on God's name will be saved. So immediately after Pentecost, the church grew. Miracles happened in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And it's been growing ever since followers of christ have been fulfilling fulfilling that great commission ever since in the power of the holy spirit and that's where we change the the kind of regulations or the guidance again and we go from stay at home to stay alert and and allow the holy spirit to work in you but keep on saving lives (laughs) in my dad's study when i was growing up he used to have a plaque on the wall that said stay alert This country needs more alerts. (laughs) Now, there was a lot of kerfuffle that happened when the stay alert thing came out just a few weeks ago. Um, But my understanding of being alert is to remain watchful and vigilant, aware of what's going on. And if you're using it as a verb, warning someone about something. And I think that fits our situation so well. Again, our mission as followers of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Are we staying alert to what God is doing around us and calling us to be involved in? Are we being watchful for his return and making sure we're not caught unawares if he were to return right now? Because we don't know when that's going to happen. Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through us so that we can continue this mission and see people saved? Here's a few things that author Brittany Rust on Crosswalk Ministries highlights for us about the Holy Spirit doing in and through us, if we allow him. Firstly, the Holy Spirit is your helper. We read in John 16, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, says Jesus, the helper won't come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit, God with us, helping and empowering us to live it radiates the goodness of God in and through us. Are you aware of your need for divine help in life? Often people say, oh Christianity faith is just a crutch. Yeah it's a crutch I need to lean on because I can't do this alone. As our flesh fights for control of our lives it's the spirit that steps in and helps us to be what God has created us to be. When we're feeling powerless or tired or like we're failing at life we can have the confidence as a believer that we're not alone. We've got God's spirit with us. We can start each day knowing that his Holy Spirit is going to be with us the whole day, sustaining, energising, keeping us on that holy path. Secondly, the Holy Spirit sanctifies you. We read in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God sanctified means to be set apart as sacred essentially it's the purification of sin the cleansing and spiritually meaning it maturing and becoming more christ-like this is an important process for a believer leaving behind our old self and becoming more like christ we talk about being old person new person but it's a daily process that takes time And the Holy Spirit wants to help us in that process of sanctification, to die to our old self and be all that God created us to be, to be free from the entanglement of sin and live victoriously. And I'll talk more about this in just a moment. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit teaches and gives insight. We read in John 14, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things all the things and bring to mind all that I have told you. He'll give us an insight into what we're reading and and trying to grapple with in the scripture. He'll help us remember scripture. He brings our minds towards understanding and towards truth. And so as we read scriptures, be praying that Spirit, please guide me in this so I understand more. He guides us in our prayers as well. We read in Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray as we ought, so the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just don't have words to pray. Sometimes I don't know what to pray. Where do I start to pray for what's going on around me? The Holy Spirit just sends those spiritual groanings from our heart to God on our behalf. And when we are praying for someone or having to pray, then we can rely on the Spirit to give us the right words to say. Lean into him and express to the Father the words that need to be said that he gives us. Also, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts for ministry. We've already talked a little bit about that. Plenty of passages in 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, about the gifts of the Spirit. And he imparts to believers gifts that are needed for the church and for the mission. And nobody receives all the gifts, but they're distributed among the body of Christ. Remember, we're a a body with different parts playing different roles. And each person receives different gifts. And the gifts you'll receive will empower you for the calling that God's placed on your life. And as I said earlier, I think that can be for a time and for a season or for a longer period. He'll give you what you need at the time you need it to do the job he wants you to do. Also, the Holy Spirit uses us in evangelism. We don't like that word, that big E word, evangelism. I'm not an evangelist. Maybe not, but you are a witness. Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Telling others about Jesus, making disciples. It's the most important role that we have here on earth. It's literally the last thing Jesus told his people to do. Having the Holy Spirit in us means we have the power to be a witness. And we do that in different ways and different situations. Not everyone is a gifted evangelist, as I said, but we're all witnesses and we allow the spirit to empower us. Remember 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 says, always be prepared to give an answer To everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have, we need to be able to do that. And with the power of the Spirit, we can. And if you think, no, no, I don't know what to say, rely on the Spirit to give you the right words at the right time. And finally, and I believe most importantly and picking up one of the points from just a little moment ago, it makes us more like Christ, We read in Corinthians 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Moses experienced God's glory on the mountaintop. But we have communion with him every day through the spirit. Warren Wearsby, commentator, writes, Moses reflected the glory of God, but you and I radiate the glory of God. He reflected him because he saw him. But we have the spirit in us and it radiates from us. And we become more like Jesus Christ as we grow from glory to glory. Our goal is Christ likeness. And this takes place through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. I love um, what my friend and colleague, uh, Matt Bradley, pastor at Creeps and Michael Baptist Church, where I used to work and worked with him, recently said about this. He, he talked about the dangers that we often fall into of comparing ourselves with other people, uh, of the risks of seeing how well everyone else is doing on lockdown, social media, all these wonderful uh, tables for for schoolwork neatly laid out, and everyone's doing such a wonderful job. And we're like, what on earth? I'm just trying to survive, uh, and it, it makes us feel rubbish at life. <laughs> and this leads to a, the false desire to be a better person, but for the wrong reasons. And when we seek to be more like Jesus. It's not a twisted comparison game of trying to be like someone we're not. And nor is it about losing my own identity. Uh, And this is where we need to be careful about dying to my old self, coming, living to my new self. Our new self, a new life, is what we were meant to be in the first place. It's becoming the very best version of me that I can be. By becoming more like Christ. And here's the key thing. When you become more like Christ, you actually become the person he meant you to be. The person you were made to be. And that's why this is so important. The Holy Spirit enables us to be more Christ-like. And uh, so, my friends, as uh, I end today, I pray that none of us would be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's part of God and God is good after all. I pray that none of us would deny him access to our lives, to turn away his gifts. They're for our good and for God's glory after all. And I pray that all of us would allow him to transform us more and more like Christ by giving us a love for his word and a love for the one that the word speaks about. We might be in lockdown, folks, but you can't lock down the Holy Spirit. Okay, Open yourselves to allowing him to work in and through you and see the amazing things that you will get up to with him enabling you and supporting you and empowering you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the gift of your spirit, that Jesus, when you left this earth and went back to heaven, you didn't leave us alone, but you sent us the helper, the advocate, the one who would teach us, the one that enables us to speak and to pray and to witness and to grow more like you, to be the person you made us to be i pray lord that each one of us in our own different special way will know the holy spirit at work in and through us today may this day pentecost 2020 when we're locked down be the day when the spirit is released in us and through us and i pray this in the strong mighty name of jesus amen